We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for November 27th, 2011. This is part two, and most likely the last part of the study for today. This next part is entitled, Nephilim and Fallen Angels, the Elephant in the Room Mainstream Christianity Won't Discuss. This uh, goes starts by saying, I'm going to address a topic that many Christians in the mainstream deem as irrelevant, which are the Nephilim and fallen angels of Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Most dismiss the topic with such statements as, what does that have to do with righteous living or being a better Christian? Um, this passage is rarely addressed, and if so, it's swept under the rug or given a totally wrong interpretation like the godly line of Seth. I'll add that in myself. After all, and again, I've got tons of studies I've done on this particular subject, Nephilim, fallen angels, UFOs, disclosure, and I list the actual vast majority of the dedicated studies I've done uh, at the end of this particular article on the PDF associated with November 27, 2011. So, if you're just new to this information, you may want to click on some of those teachings, and this will get you up to speed regarding that. So, going further, this passage, meaning Genesis 6, 1-4, through 4, is rarely addressed, and if so, swept under the rug. After all, it has nothing to do with helping me uh, with my Christian walk, right? And then he goes on to say, wrong. Living a righteous life means living in such a way with our entire being. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Note the mention of mind. This means our thoughts should reflect those of the Holy Spirit. It also means we should hearken to the repeated call by Jesus in the Gospels to be mentally prepared for the last days, particularly in Matthew 24. This alludes to a physio, uh, psychological state of the mind uh, grounded in scriptures in mental preparedness for those things which are about to come upon the earth. Why have so many modern day Christians dis- dismissed the importance of what the Berean Jews held so sacred? The education of scripture, knowing and knowledge as well as in heart. If Jesus says something in the Bible, it's time to listen up. Jesus stated in Matthew twenty four thirty seven regarding the end times, but as it as in the days of Noe or Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. The verse uh, the verses following thirty seven convey the ways of a man in the in the days of Noah, how they continued in sin right up to the point when Noah entered the ark. Those latter verses aside, what other events were characteristic of Noah's time. Genesis 6, 1-4 through 4 bears testimony to the fallen angels mating with human women to form a hybrid race of beings called the Nephilim, or the fallen ones, or, in other words, they translated that word giants, uh, which was from the Hebrew Nephilim. Yeah, uh, so going further, so as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. We're entering into that time now. I want you to ponder the heaviness of this prophetic warning that Jesus Christ spoke to us. Hearken to his words and pay attention. This is very serious. He's trying to warn you of what is coming upon our planet. Okay, I'm sorry, I had to pause there for a sec, so I'm trying to pick back up where I left off here. Um, these were part human, part fallen angel hybrids that had altered DNA. And remember, I've always said this for a long time, that it seems like, based on all the things they... What do you want to call them? The elite, the Illuminati, the globalists, controlled by... Satan, essentially, and his minions. But this seems like the major thrust of what they are trying to do is to corrupt our DNA. 
through the various genetically modified foods that are out there, through the tainted water, through the tainted DNA, tainted vaccines, many of which actually grown off aborted babies, literally. Um, now we're seeing how PepsiCo has teamed up with that Seminex company and many other, Nestle as well, and many other companies, Nestle, and they're using these flavor enhancers that they're literally using aborted fetal cell lines in order to uh, do this. The Illuminati knows exactly what they're doing. They're trying to get us to bring curses on ourselves. That's the goal of all of this. They try to us to bring cursed objects into our houses. They try to get us to eat cursed foods. Now there's this gigantic push for um, this halal meat, this Islamically ritually slaughtered meat that I've reported extensively on in the past. Halal, H-A-L-A-L, which is where they slaughter the turkey or the cow or whatever and they say Allah Akbar meaning, I don't know, hail Allah or whatever. And it's literally, the meat has ritually been slaughtered to Allah. And now, that's in very many, uh, uh, a lot of the meats that are actually sold. And there's whole franchises that are offering their halal certified foods. Um, I know Cabot Cheese is, has that on the back of all their stuffs now, and that, that was new. Campbell's Soup has a halal line. Subway has uh, certain... Uh, franchises that have halal, ritually slaughtered meat. And the list is growing and going on and on and on. Again, what is the goal of all this? The goal is trying to get us to curse ourselves. Now, I'm not saying that if you ate halal meat and, you know, you did it unknowingly or whatever, and the Bible says that when you pray over food, when you pray over your food, you're essentially sanctifying the food. Okay, I'm not saying God can't. I'm just saying it wouldn't be a practice you'd want to get in the habit of. It wouldn't be, you know, you wouldn't want to go out and um, eat a lot of this halal slaughtered meat, obviously, because of the spiritual implications, which I don't really know the extent of. I don't know what the spiritual implications of you eating something like that, but I know it can't be good. Christian or no Christian, it can't be good. And again, this is all being done to get us to curse ourselves, to defile ourselves, to defile us essentially body, soul, and spirit. Because there's a spiritual component to this as well. It's just not a physical component. You have to understand, they're trying to do everything that they can possibly think of to kill us, to curse us, to defile us. Humanity, unsaved, and Christians... You just have to assume that every time you go out in the world. And again, again, part of that process is to wear us down as well. So, I, I wish that I could report on more positive things. Um, like, I guess, the vast majority of churches tend to do. But, I cannot in good conscience, knowing this information, withhold it from my listeners. Knowing that it's something that if they're unaware of, if they're unaware of this device of Satan, as the Bible warns about in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, then Satan can get an advantage of us. Because we're unaware of it. Or to be destroyed for lack of knowledge, as Hosea 4 6 says. And that regarding the end times, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. 
Matthew 24, 24. So, let's go further. Uh, let's see here. So these fallen angel hybrids of Genesis 6 had altered DNA, the Nephilim. They grew to become giants of enormous strength and ability. The Nephilim were present in the days of Noah, teaching men in the ways of astrology, magic, and all kinds of evil. As in, And again, that is related to more in the Book of Enoch, which I use as a commentary. Uh, so, anyway. Uh, then he goes on to say, we're entering into that time now. And again, you look at all of these things that man is being instructed in. Harry Potter. All of the explosion of witchcraft. Subtle and not so subtle. Teaching and explosion. And I mean, you get, you get witchcraft through the rock music, through the rap music, through... Um, the movies, through um, books, through religions, through overt things like Harry Potter and these these shows like Charm and like the show Medium and through a lot of these paranormal shows. You're just getting bombarded and bombarded and bombarded that witchcraft is normal, it's good, it's wonderful, it's it's a viable way of, of, of practicing religion. And again, I guarantee it was that way in Noah's day as well. So going further, uh, I want you to ponder the heaviness of this prophetic warning that Jesus spoke unto us. Hearken to his words and pay attention. This is very serious. He's trying to warn you of what's coming on our planet. What would, modern, what would the modern-day Nephilim look like? You've already been exposed to them in the media ranging from movies, television, and books. No, they're not demons or wispy ghost-like forms. They're entities, and I wrote in part... They're the entities the world refers to as aliens. I don't think we can be dogmatic and say all aliens are... are um, that's the only way a Nephilim could ever be presented to, to the human race. I, I think that's, that's um, way, way too much of a blanket statement there. Okay, So going further, the world refers to as aliens, which in my opinion are the modern day Nephilim, or in some type of hybrid or some type of hybrid with malevolent intentions, meaning evil intentions. They may also look human or come in other various other humanoid forms via the process of what would be termed as shape-shifting. The truth is, these beings just don't exist in the world of television. They're here and currently exposing themselves to countless masses of people all over the planet. Alien abductions are on the rise, and yes, very real. Again, I've cited the statistics it's like anywhere from 3 to 4% of the population ha- in private polling has said, yes, I've been abducted. They're not coming out, waving their arms, saying, hey, yeah, well, look at me, I've been abducted, I've been defiled, I've, I've, had, I've been experimented on. They have experimented on me and implanted me and, and focused in on my reproductive system and I've turned up pregnant and then all of a sudden the, the baby's gone after, you know, five to six months of gestation and... Yeah, I mean, who would, that would be a shameful thing if that had happened. It's not something you're going to go, you know, be proud of. So it's not like there's all these people saying, yeah, this has happened to me. But in private polls, 3 to 4% of the population, that translates into millions upon millions upon millions of people. You can't say they're all crazy. So going further here, uh, let's see here. Alien abductions are on the rise, and yes, very real. In fact, Dr. Roger Lear in Los Angeles has been busily removing implants from the bodies of abductees. This is what this guy does. He's, a, he's a, evidently an, an MD in Los Angeles that removes implants from the bodies of abductees. 
The world of science, and I mean implants, they're implanting their victims with different and various and sundry types of implants. Tracking devices, uh, device, who knows? I, I can't say the full extent of what these implants can do, but it's a fact. And they've been x-rayed, they've been extracted, this is happening more and more. The world of science reality is simply masked as science fiction. We could very well be on the cusp of a massive alien agenda ushering in the times of the final Antichrist. Antichrist decide the forces of evil are sneaking into the ranks of many churches, posing as leaders preaching their gospel, which could be a whole other subject. Uh, Galatians 1.8 But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let him be a curse. And then it goes on to say basically the same statement. Again, whenever the Bible states something twice in a rhetorical fashion, you know the word of God's trying to emphasize it. So people or ministers preaching another gospel, the Bible says, let them be accursed. You know, but you'll hear, oh, touch not thou God's anointed. Well, they're not God's anointed because by their fruits you shall know them. They're preaching another gospel. They're demonstrating they are a wolf in sheep's clothing. At bare minimum, they're a hireling that has no true love for the sheep because the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. So they're, they're not, they're, they're demonstrating to be deceivers, liars, wolves in sheep's clothing. Angels of Satan, ministers of Satan posing as ministers of light. The Bible says it's no marvel if Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. It's no marvel that his ministers can transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. They appear as that, but they're not. So, unfortunately, that's the modern day pretty much norm. It's not the exception as maybe it would have been a hundred some years ago where ministers, you know, obviously were probably a lot more biblically correct. Today, the norm would be apostasy, heresy, preaching another gospel. That's the norm. Um, going further, it says, if you're not educated in the world, by what bar will you judge their message? I'm sorry, if you're not educated in the word, the word of God. By what bar will you judge their message? I think that's a really profound statement. So if you're in one of these churches and you're not educated in the Word, and let's say you hardly crack your Bible open, and if you have one, you have a, one of these New Age Bible versions like an NIV or an American Standard Version or whatever, ESV, Living. If you're not educated in the Word of God, and the purest word we have in the English-speaking language is the King James Bible, if you're not educated in that, what bar will you judge their message, these false Apostles, these false ministers, these wolves in sheep's clothing, you won't have anything to judge it by. That's why the Bible says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and his heart departeth from the Lord. So if you just go, and you, you've been relying on a preacher all your life, to give you the truth, and you've never compared what he said to the anvil of truth, the word of God, then most likely your foundation's been totally corrupted. You've built upon a false foundation. And the Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. You've trusted in your own heart in some flowery message, possibly, 
And the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, 26. And there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12 and 16, 25. So that's not something we want to be doing. We want to always be judging everything by the anvil of truth, by the word of God, the King James Bible, in the English-speaking language. That's the bar by which you will judge their messages. And then he goes on to say, Matthew 24, 24, there shall arise, and this is regarding the end times, this is another one of the deceptions, there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders Insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. I saw this thing the other night. I get so many things people send me. And it's, it's almost impossible to look at them all. Uh, and it was some really radical Pentecostal thing. And this guy was in this audience. And he was preaching some lukewarm, false, syrupy thing. Hyper-charismatic, I believe. And literally... In the crowd, they were supposedly seeing all these, this like light show that appeared to everybody. And they were simulating it. They didn't actually have it on uh, film, I don't believe. Because, see, some of the people could supposedly see it and some of them couldn't. And all of this light show. Now, again, if it was actually where the true word of God was being preached. I'm not saying God can't perform miracles. But when it's happening in the ranks of apostate masses of people, from some ministers preaching some false gospel and not going by the word of God, then I know it's false. I don't need to know anymore. I don't care how unbelievable it may be. And they were interviewing all these people that had saw it, and they, you know, then these people start thinking, wow, I'm so special, God just showed it to me. And he didn't show it to some of these other people, because most of the people saw it, some didn't. But the minister said, well, that was because God wanted to make sure that he knew, you know, everybody knew it was supernatural and, and then there were some people that didn't see it and therefore, whatever. I, don't, I forget his total reasoning. But it says, these false Christs and the false prophets shall show great signs and wonders in so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. That is what we should be expecting. Not what we should be running after because the Bible says a wicked and adulterous, well Jesus Christ said this, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And then he goes on to say, I always find it so surprising as to why such topics as the Nephilim and the fallen angels are rarely discussed in mainstream Christian circles. It seems as though Christians are more interested in ear-tickling religious discussions. Yet all the while, very few Bible-believing Christian ministers address this elephant in the room. Absolutely. It is an elephant in the room. In other words, it would be like me being in a room and... Um, <laughs> Taylor's doing a little elephant impression. Uh, it would be like me being in the room and there's this big elephant in the room with me. And I refuse to even acknowledge there's an elephant in the room. It's like, oh, that big pachyderm doesn't exist. He's just part of your imagination. Just ignore him and he'll go away eventually. And it doesn't go away. It's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what this subject is really like. Very few actually want to talk about it. And then it goes on to say, why don't they, do, why don't they address it? Because they think it has nothing to do with righteous living or being a better Christian. Well, okay, that may be supposedly one reason. 
I think personally, a lot of it's fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of, wow, I wasn't taught this in seminary. Fear of, wow, I, I don't ever want to even possibly think about having to deal with that level of evil that was in Noah's day. And they've been taught that didn't happen anyway. It was the godly line of Seth. Even though it produced this horrific thing so much that God had to destroy the whole world and planet, save eight people on the ark, according to Genesis 6. But it was from the godly line of Seth breeding with human women. They, they, they brought about this horrific cataclysm where, where men's thoughts were only evil continually, where all flesh had been corrupted. Yeah, that, that, that sounds reasonable to me. But that's what the cemeteries, I mean the seminaries teach. So people get corrupted from, the very, from their foundational teaching background. So I hate to say it, but that's, that's, the, that's a big problem. I think personally it's fear, and then there's a lot of other reasons where, why they want to talk about it. And then... He goes on to say, they couldn't be more wrong. Jesus knew staying silent about the devices of Satan simply leads to keeping believers in the dark and unprepared. Again, 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. He goes on to say, he didn't want this to happen. Thus, his reasoning for warning us of such things in Matthew 24.7 and Matthew 24 in general. Regarding the days of Noah, though, specifically being like the end times. Again, that is the elephant in the room that few uh, ministers want to talk about. As a parent, wouldn't you want to warn your son or daughter of such perilous times? Why? Because you care about their well-being. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves us and cares for our well-being, warned us 2,000 years ago of some of the events that are starting to take place on this planet. So, he wants us to be mentally prepared as well as spiritually prepared. This should serve as a very serious wake-up call. The fallen angels of Genesis 6, 1-4, combined with Matthew 24, 37, have everything to do with us living a righteous life and being a better Christian. It stresses the importance of living an upright life and the need to be prepared to encounter such things mentally, psychologically, and spiritually. Are you prepared for the Nephilim? I, I, I've never really approached that subject from that angle, but I think that he brings up a lot of really good points regarding that subject. Now, I give you all of the, well, maybe not all, but most of the main teachings I've done on this subject. Uh, this is going to be on page uh, around 8 to 9 of the PDF for November um, 27, 2011. The first one is Preparation for Alien, UFO Deception, and High Gear, Parts 1 through 4. Another one entitled The UFO Phenomenon, The Next Great Challenge for the Church. The other one, The Return of the Nephilim, Hollywood Preparing the Way. One called Strong Delusion, ETs, Aliens, UFO, Nephilim, and the Grenada Treaty. Another one entitled UFOs, Aliens, Fallen Angels, Nephilim, and the Days of Noah. And then I did one more recently on the Nephilim, Sons of God, Fallen Angels, Demons, Evil Spirits, and so on. And then a six-part teaching entitled Satan's Agenda for Disclosure, First Contact. Disclosure, when you hear that word, you're thinking um, it's a UFO buzzword in the UFO community for the government finally coming forward and saying, okay, listen, we've been hiding this from you for a long time. You know, regarding the disclosure of yes, there are these entities and, you know, whatever their involvement is with them. Don't, don't expect to get the truth. 
But that's disclosure, when they actually finally fess up, supposedly, to the world. And then the last one, the Vatican, easing humanity toward alien disclosure. The Catholic Church has a lot to do with that subject as well. They're preparing their followers in mass for that. So I give you all those teachings. There's so many. Uh, but all of the, the links are there. All you have to do is click on them from the PDF, and it'll take you right to the link, and you can start listening. So let's go further. This is a something I thought was very well, interesting, not in a good way, but it was. In, it's entitled "UFO Alien Ab- Abduction Experiment." This is a. There's a press release here you can click on. This was from the. Uh, this came out uh, in October 25, 2011. It has long been theorized that encounters with extraterrestrials are always the result, are nearly always the result of spontaneous out-of-body experiences. Now, I do not agree with the premise of this because what they're trying to prove, what these New Agers doing this in a college setting, supposedly clinical college setting, are trying to prove is that Oh, all of these things about aliens, it's just all out-of-body experiences. It's all either remote viewing or astral projection. There's no basis in physical fact. They're not actually having physical interaction with these entities. I do think, yes, there is a huge spiritual component, and sometimes it is just purely a spiritual Component, whether you call it out of body, whether you call it astral projection, whether you call it remote viewing, whether it's in some type of lucid dream state. But I also believe that you cannot have women turning up pregnant, people coming, uh, like the one doctor that we just mentioned, where he's taking out all of these physical implants in people, people turning up with all kinds of scars and physical debilitations and and all of these things that are happening to them from a physical standpoint, if it was purely something that was occurring in some dreamlike state. Can't get pregnant from dreaming. In other words, you can't get physical implants from having some dreamlike experience with a supposed alien entity. So I think that that the what they're trying to prove here is is ridiculous. Because they're just trying to say, cut and dry, these alien experiences, it's all in people's heads, essentially. Whatever they're experiencing, it has no physical basis. It's not physical interaction, which is a total lie. Okay, But again, these people are as far from Bible-believing Christians as you could possibly get. The experiment was developed and conducted by Michael Raduga, founder and head of the OOB Research Center. Place and time of experiment was October 7th, through the 9th, 2011, UCLA, UCLA, uh, Covell Commons in Los Angeles, California, USA. So they did this at one of the most major colleges in America. Test subjects. 20 volunteers were, recru- were, were recruited from both the general population and those who have had experience in out-of-body travel. So in other words, they're already demon-possessed, essentially. Because if you're to the point where you can literally travel out of body, astral projection, in other words, you are just demon-possessed. It doesn't mean that you're walking around like you're from the exorcist and you're, you know, like, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that are actually demon-possessed, but they're essentially, they could look or act very calm, 
uh, the vast, vast majority of the time, but they're totally controlled by demons. In order to get to the point where you can actually astral project, it involves a high level of demonic intervention in order to get to that point. And um, so, anyway, I just wanted to kind of go over that. These were these were 20 people that were recruited. They uh, um, Those who have had experience with out-of-body travel or what they call lucid dreaming. Preference was given to those who fall asleep quickly and enjoy sound sleep. Methods. The method of cycling, I'm reading, this is like it's some clinical study here. The method of cycling indirect techniques developed by the OOB Research Center over 2007 through 2011 was employed in order for test subjects to achieve an out-of-body experience within the shortest frame of time. The method consists in attempting to separate from the body. If unsuccessful, the subject then alternates special techniques for three to five seconds over the course of a minute. I believe what they're doing is these people, they're trying to get these people to sleep, and as soon as they wake up, they're trying to go into this out-of-body thing. Um, and they, they're giving them all these techniques to use in order to demonically make this happen, for lack of better words. Because this is demonic. So, if they're unsuccessful in trying to separate, you know, from their body, the subject then alternates special techniques for three to five seconds over the course of a minute. I have no idea what those special techniques are, but uh, if some technique begins to yield results, there's probably some type of occult technique, I'm sure. If they do start to yield results, the subject should keep with it, intensify the sensations, and once again try to separate from the body. Something that's totally, totally unnatural, but that's what they're trying to get us to do, or these people to do. After exiting the body, the subjects were instructed to find extraterrestrials or UFOs in their room. Now that's going to have to be a pretty tiny UFO if you're trying to find it in your own bedroom, wherever you're sleeping. You know? I mean, I don't know, it's going to be a little one. But anyway, or in neighboring rooms, beyond the window or outside. In other words, you're separating from your body. Primarily through the occult practice of astral projection. Now, you ever see how they portray witches on broomsticks? That's not because the witches are literally riding a broomstick, I would believe the vast majority of the time. What that is representative, what that picture of when we see a witch on a broomstick, that's representative of a, of a witch astral projecting. It's like a symbol for that. Most people don't know that, but that's what that means. So witches have been doing this for a long, long time. But now it's becoming more mainstream. So what is astral projection? Uh, now, again, this, I'm segueing now. I'm, I'm, this is a little article I found about astral projection, a Christian perspective. Astral projection is the idea that one can, with practice, project one's consciousness, soul, or spirit outside of the body while in a sleeping state. There are many books, resources that would tell you how this is achieved with much practice. But what isn't always exposed, however, are the negative aspects and the harmful, terrifying experiences and attacks the practice often bring about. If one were to think of our fleshly body as an automobile and our spirit as the person inside it, driving around, one might gain a more accurate view, accurate view of astral projection. One would never drive into a known dangerous neighborhood, get out and leave your car unlocked. Yet, with astral projection, this is exactly what people are attempting to do. They try to get out of their own bodies while asleep and roam around in their spirit. 
All the while, their body remains open and unguarded. It is theorized, in the opinion of this author, that this may be one possible way for demon possession to occur. I think it's already occurred prior to it, but when you come back to your body, you know, there's many, many more uh, re- um, residents in your body now residing. In other words, it's like you go out of your body, oh, wow, there's more vacancy in my own body. You come back and you're, you know, twice the child of hell that you were before, you, before it happened. Going further, uh, this may be one possible way for demon possession to occur. If one leaves their own body, it's a very real possibility for another spirit or spirits to come in and occupy it as well. That's a good point. Most people who have become involved in this practice have many fears about leaving their body. They should. Remember, fear is many times a good thing. Fear is a God-given self-protection mechanism. Fear keeps us from doing stupid things. Fear helps keep us alive. When we stand on a high precipice and look down... Why do we feel fear? The answer is obvious. So we don't fall and get killed. Fear is our instinct that tells us we are in danger when our mind is ignoring common sense. Now, I remember a long time ago before I was saved, I was watching this one movie. It was about uh, something about Shirley MacLaine, and, uh, the actress. And she's a mega new ager. And this, new, this movie was totally about her life and promoting new age. It was on, I don't know, it was on one of the major networks. And there was this one part of the movie where she goes out of body. And she is connected to her body by this silver cord. And she goes, I mean, she goes all the way supposedly around the moon. And that, and then I think in the movie, it's like, she couldn't go any further than that. It was like the dark side of the moon. Couldn't go any further than that. She had to come back to her, her own body. And there was this silver cord that was attaching her spirit to her own body. Okay? Now, that's interesting, because Ecclesiastes 12, verse 6 and 7, and the whole Ecclesiastes 12, if you read it, it's in reference to um, a person aging and the things that happen in death. Okay? That's what Ecclesiastes 12 is, is really primarily in reference to. Okay? So Ecclesiastes 12, verse 6, and this is in reference to death. Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel be broken at the cistern. Then, meaning when the silver cord is loosed, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. That means you die. Okay, when you when we return to the dust of the earth, we're not living anymore. If the silver cord ever be loosed. And I've heard accounts of people that astral project, or they were, and if their cord is somehow severed, they die. Their body, physical body, dies. Literally, right then. So, I thought that that was rather uh, interesting point there. When they, when they astral project, there's this silver cord, and this, it's confirmed in the Bible. So, now let's go back to the study now. The outcome of the study, the majority of subjects underwent at least one full or partial out-of-body experience over this time period. I think it was three days. While some experienced several, subjects who became conscious while dreaming were instructed to transform the lucid dream into an out-of-body experience uh, by returning to the physical body in order to separate from it. So, the results of this um, experiment, demonic experiment, was that 
there were 10 cases for seven volunteers. Seven of the people had 10 different times where visual contact with UFOs or extraterrestrials were obtained. In other words, seven out of the, out of the people that were in it, seven of them, there were a total of 10 times where they supposedly had visual contact with UFOs or extraterrestrials. Some, some other volunteers were close to achieving the same result, but were unable to due to overwhelming fear in the right moment. Yeah, because they still got some semblance of sense in their head where they're having this unbelievable, overwhelming fear and they're either going back into their own body or they're saying, no, I don't want to mess around with this. This is just insane. So, let's hear some of the testimonies. These are the actual testimonies of the people that did this. Alexander N., he said, After getting myself ready and going to sleep, I woke up and made an attempt and it worked meaning an attempt to go out of body. I got up from my own body in my room. I lost my bearing, and everything naturally became somewhat awkward. Not wanting to waste any more time, I tried to find aliens. Sounds like a good job, you know, good goal to me. I don't know about you all. I tried to find aliens. Three of them materialized right before my eyes. They seemed more like creatures from the movie The Thing than tadpoles with eyes like Princess Jasmine, whatever that means. Um, so in other words, they were horrific looking. They looked like they were straight from the pits of hell. Well, they pretty much were. Three of them materialized right from my eyes as when he went to look for them. See, Satan is meeting him at his need. He's going to look for Satan. Satan shows up. Okay? It's essentially what happened. And then he goes on to say, they wanted to scare me. Not to, quote, make contact. As a result, I was extremely frightened and regained the awareness in my own body. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good positive experience. I don't know about you, but I mean, you know, what's not to like about that? These things show up. They look like they're out of the movie The Thing. They look like tadpoles with eyes like Princess Jasmine, whatever that means. They wanted to scare me. They didn't want to make contact. I was extremely frightened. And so much so that I regained awareness of my own body. You would think that they might start cluing into the fact that They're just trying to play with evil here. It's like being on LSD. They're literally having their third eye opened. Okay? Which is what, when you see the Hindus and they have the little dot in their forehead, that's that's symbolic of the third eye, which has a lot to do with what they call the pineal gland. And they're actually, when you have your third eye open from an occult standpoint, you're actually able to see into the spirit world. Certain drugs will essentially caused that. It's not natural. It's not good. It's not something you should pursue. But LSD was one of the ones that that does that. You know, people on LSD seeing little green men, they're really seeing into the spirit world. They're not just imagining or hallucinating that. They're literally seeing entities that are maybe within our dimension, but we're not supposed to see them. We're We're not supposed to be able to see the spiritual things going on around us. Now, I understand God's given glimpses of that certain times in the Bible when he saw fit, but it's not something you should just be able to go around doing. There's just no Bible for it, in other words. So, going further, this is a testimony from Craig P. They're just abbreviating the last name. He says, I took a nap from 1040 to 1120. I tried to fall asleep. So I could practice upon awakening. I mean, practice going out of body as soon as he wakes up. I was having difficulties in falling asleep. 
so I thought nothing was going to happen. After a while, I must have fallen asleep as I noticed a floating type of sensation. Things were not very clear, so I tried to start looking at objects and feeling them. I told myself to go see aliens. Uh, the next scene, I was near a mountain in a clearing with trees around it. There was a spaceship. There were two aliens with helmets on. They also had a type of robot with them. It was about seven feet tall and was silver in color. The aliens did not appear to be friendly. Mm, imagine that. When the alarm went off, I felt like I was 100 miles away and it was difficult for me to come back into my physical body. Next testimony, Michael R., he says, I awoke in the middle of the night, recalled that I needed to try to leave my body and see aliens. Mortal terror suddenly arose within me. I was now in the fetters of sleep paralysis. With high-frequency vibrations coursing through my body and a loud hissing sound filling my ears. So he's in mortal terror. It's a good sign. I have, I have been begun having second thoughts about going through with this experiment. But was then able to force myself to attempt separation from my body. After that, I was unsuccessful. I began employing the technique of rotation, whatever that is. Despite the feeling of terror, I was able to spin around and then sit up in bed. At that moment, I already somehow felt they were in the room. I made myself open my eyes and I saw a typical-looking extraterrestrial at the other end of, the, of my bed. Now, you know that there's a huge demonic fallen angelic or whatever component to these things if you can literally if you can literally seek them and all of a sudden they just show up knowing they're straight from the pit of hell they're not godly obviously so again satan will meet you at your need you go looking for him you'll find him in one way or another uh and then it, he goes on to say it had a huge head with large eyes a small body with thin arms and dark green skin meanwhile everything was even more realistic in terms of sensation than in my normal waking state and in this case, the creature turned out to be good-natured, even though he had all these feelings of total abject terror. But once he was beyond that certain barrier, then supposedly the creature appeared to be good-natured. Well, you see that all the time in these abduction scenarios. You see positive abduction scenarios where, oh yes, I got taken aboard the mothership and shown what our future is and shown what the past really was. And they always focus on the fact that Jesus of the Bible is a lie. That's kind of funny. They always seem to be preoccupied with disproving Jesus Christ and the Bible, uh, which is a total fact. And then they give their New Age garbage, and then they usually tell us, tell these people, well, actually, you're a little science experiment. We came here and seeded the world millions and millions of years ago, and you are our little creation, but mankind has messed everything up so bad that we're going to have to come back very soon and take things over um, and straighten everything out that, that you messed up. And again, this is this whole concept of they are creators is the ancient astronaut theory, uh, which has to do with also panspermia. It's garbage, lies from the pit of hell, but these people that get abducted are brainwashed with these notions. And some abduction experiences are positive, the vast majority of them are very negative, and the vast majority of, I believe, even the ones that are positive, what's happening is, is they're brainwashing these people, they're filling their minds full of supposedly good experiences, but the reality is, is the whole time they were up there on the mothership or wherever they were at, they were being horrifically experimented on. But those are the memories that are actually wiped out through these Nephilim demonic alien entities. And they're not aliens from millions and millions of miles away, this is just the modern day version of Genesis 6 here on planet Earth. So, again, I've gotten into these, this subject and a lot of the other studies I've already listed 
in the PDF to the study. So he said something about sleep paralysis. Uh, I listed my teaching on, it's entitled My Testimony and Supernatural Experiences. You might want to listen to that. I had an experience one time with sleep paralysis as well. And I give you that uh, testimony in there. And then the last testimony here is from Lydia. And she says, I get up in the middle of the night and walk around. Everything is misty. And I see in the corner a large object that looks like a person with a large head and a huge hunchback. Again, that's always a good sign. I don't know about you, but it's a good sign to have that in your own bedroom. Uh, and then it, she goes on to say, it is hardly moving yet present. And then I wake up shocked back into my body. So now I guess if there's anybody out there that's interested, there's a new experiment they're doing in Los Angeles. If volunteers are needed. Okay? And Taylor's holding up her hand. She wants to give it a crack. You know, I might, I might throw my hat into the ring on this one and do it my, myself. I mean, it, it's a good father-daughter thing to do, don't you think? So it's quality bonding time. Getting your third eye opened, you know, that whole astral projection, remote viewing deal. I mean, there's nothing, there, there's nothing to fear about any of that other than total demon possession. And the possibility that if you get your silver cord severed while you're out of body, you're dead. You know, other than that, it's all good. You know, all the abject fear and terror you're going to experience when trying to do something totally unnatural. <sighs> anyway, sorry. I had a little sarcasm there. But, um, yeah. Okay, next article. Alien Genetic Takeover, The End of Humanity. And uh, this was actually from Alex Jones's site. I was kind of surprised that he got into this. But um, I'm going to go ahead and play this clip because he says a lot of things that really does apply. Now, again, we're gleaning here. I'm not giving a blanket endorsement of Alex Jones or of, like, CNN, if I get an article off CNN, or the Drudge Report or Zero Hedge or whatever. We're gleaning here. But he brings up a lot of good points about this particular subject. So I'm going to go ahead and roll that now. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and roll this now. In the 1950s, Universal Pictures put out a classic sci-fi horror film, The Thing. And it's been likened to a uh, carrot from outer space they dig up in the snow that had crashed in Antarctica on the south pole of this planet dug it up, and then it was basically a shapeshifter uh, that would uh, devour its prey and then copy them. And then, of course, they had the John Carpenter classic in 1982, uh, which is probably one of the uh, best sci-fi horror films ever made, in my humble opinion. Okay, easy on that. But, again, Alex is coming, I almost really believe, mostly from a, a purely secular standpoint, you know, uh, that could be, obviously there's people that would debate that, but I mean, the guy's got all kind of hard rock intros and in, into his into his teachings and, and just, you know, the people that he associates himself with, uh, some of them are just literally, some of them are actually Satanists. That Rogan guy, he is literally a Satanist. So, again, we're just gleaning here and... Um, not to say we're, we're going to agree with everything, but he does make some good points during this particular clip. 
But you see, we live in the real world, and truth is stranger than fiction. No, we haven't had an alien that crashed millions of years ago in Antarctica that's been thawed out, and it's now at a research facility uh, absorbing uh, the crew uh, with an eye towards invading the mainland and taking over the entire biosphere of the planet Earth. No, 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 that's not happening. And, of course, they're now re-releasing uh, basically a remake of the 1982 from the reviews I've read. No, I'm talking about the real thing. And again, I find it interesting that they have remade this show so many times, this thing. Now remember, Hollywood is basically a conditioning tool for the masses. And, and I, there's a lot of ways we've been conditioned. The alien agenda, one of the chiefest. They've spent, dare I say, billions of dollars doing this over the course of all these movies. And this thing has been one that they have really, really emphasized, hammering down our throats over and over and over again, this concept. You have to ask yourself, what is the agenda here? And, and he kind of gets into it, and um, which is interesting. The real deal. I'm talking about genetic engineers, transhumanists, working for the globalists, who in their own words admit, going back to the 1970s, that they had a plan to patent every major food crop and then every major life form, prolific life form, on this planet and put artificial genes, genetics, DNA, RNA into them. To Again, creating hybrids out of everything, defiling God's creation in every way, shape, and form. Humans, animals, Plants, reptiles, you name it. They're doing it. They're inserting foreign DNA into species, uh, I mean every species on the planet. Playing God. Defiling God's creation as it was in the days of Noah. They're doing the same thing now. Manipulate viruses, bacteria. And now that's been done with tens of thousands of different species. In some cases, hundreds of different species are being spliced together. You know about spider goats that are part goat, part spider, that produce body armor in their milk. You've read about the super salmon uh, that university studies have shown will extinct the uh, normal salmon that are in the ocean. And these Now, again, he's showing all the news stories in the background, and I, I give you the link, you can watch this. He's giving you, obviously, because this is an audio, I can't do that, but... You can watch this video and you can see all of the actual real news stories. That, the one on the Trojan gene, salmon genes from BBC. Uh, it says just one genetically modified fish could wipe out local populations of the species if released into the wild. Biologists have warned. It's horrific. I mean, uh, different varieties have been mixed with other fish, insects, plants. The list goes on and on. You see, that's the real thing. Uh, you're eating corn, you're eating a GMO potato, and it's had insect genes and other traits added to it. It's had pharmacological traits in the BT corn and other crops where a uh, pesticide is engineered to grow inside the corn to where... Now, he's not kidding. The pesticides engineered to grow inside the corn. This is called Roundup Ready Corn. Monsanto. 
being the originators of, of Roundup. Monsanto, probably one of the most evil companies, cartels on the planet Earth. Totally designed with the the intent of the extinction of the human population. I would go so far as to say that. And they have this Roundup Ready Corn, where this, there's insecticide Roundup, which is one of the most potent... Uh, um, well, in that particular case, it's a weed killer. It's a weed killer. But they've got insecticides that they insert in as well. Roundup Ready Corn would be where you just spray the corn with Roundup and don't even worry about not hitting the corn. And the corn will survive, but it'll kill all of the weeds around it. Uh, they've got insecticides that do the same thing. You just spray it on the corn, and it's they're engineering this into the DNA, into the very genetics of the corn or whatever itself. It is truly Frankensteinish horrific. Field mice and insects can't eat it. If they do, they die. But then you are fed this. My point is, as we prepare to enter 2012, we have a global ruling class that are playing God and who quite frankly don't know what they're doing. I mean, they were able to foresee with their futurists and their think tanks hiring the top minds in the world uh, what could be done. Uh, but they are endangering the planet itself while constantly distracting the public with fake environmental crises like carbon dioxide that is 0.0360 of the atmosphere. The New World Order, simply put, are people trying to play God. They've studied how humans operate as if they were an alien coming here from a foreign planet. They have funded literally hundreds and hundreds of universities for more than 150 years to study every facet of psychological, spiritual, physical processes that take place. And they have tested and refined incredible tools of social control, propaganda, chemical control through the water and food supply. This is all on record. The globalists have also, for at least 80 years, engaged in lethal chemical and biological as well as radiological tests on prisoners, foster children, military personnel, the list goes on and on. You know about injecting people with syphilis. You know about uh, the horrors of children being radiated by the thousands in atomic studies. You, you know about forced sterilizations going on right into the 1980s, or at least you should know about that. That is only the tip of the iceberg. And again, he's showing several of the actual reports of what he's talking about in the background, backing up what they're saying. And it's being done to test these systems but also to test the personnel and to create larger pools of individuals that will carry out these type of activities because they enjoy the power, because they believe the end justifies the means. The point is the global ruling class believe they are a separate species from us and openly write about this. They believe they have transcended the common man and are actively trying to poison and also socially dumb down the general population so that we will fit in to the mold and the typecast that they've made for us. So when you see movies like John Carpenter's classic or this new one, 
uh, that just came out. Remember that the real world is a lot stranger than what Hollywood screenwriters can come up with. And sure, it's not as sexy, it's not as shocking uh, as a young heroine fighting the monster from deep space. And there aren't bodies splitting apart and, 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 and spewing out tentacles with razor-sharp teeth. And heroes standing up to it with flamethrowers and dynamite. No, in this war, the thing, the globalist system of control is simply taking over species after species, infecting every major food crop, every staple food animal, and splicing new systems into their DNA that irrevocably spread into the entire family. Take the case of corn, going back over a decade, close to 90% of all known corn varieties, and there are thousands originating uh, in Mexico, have now been infected. And the latest numbers I saw is that there is no known major cultivated crop unless it's in closed laboratories that has not been infected. Everything is being infected. So in the thing, it shows under an electron microscope the alien cells metastasizing and taking over the natural cells of the husky or of the human that it's infected. But in reality, this is already happening to us. But it doesn't happen right away. You see, if a GMO crop was put out that caused people to mutate and bleed out and die or turn into something else right in front of you, you would recognize it as a threat. But because it's a slow, creeping, methodical death, you're not aware of it. We're designed to face a frontal assault, a saber-toothed cat jumping out against a troop of hunting Cro-Magnon. Now that, I, I think of myself as a Cro-Magnon, uh, a really deep down, it's kind of always been my thing. Uh, again, his subtle, not-so-subtle plug toward the buying in of evolution of the uh, Homo sapiens species, the so and I, I, that's a total bunch of garbage. But anyway, again, we're just gleaning here. And, and uh, um, the, the point is, with this last point, is that it's like putting the frog in lukewarm water and slowly turning it up to a rolling boil. By the time it gets to a rolling boil, the frog won't jump out because it's been so gradual. And if you throw the frog in boiling water, he'll jump out instantly because he can recognize it. But if you do it slowly over time, it's much more insidious and many people will just go along with it as a result. That's the point being made. We are not designed to deal with poison that's been added into our environment. We're designed to just basically adapt to it or die. And so the globalists have developed a very, very sophisticated, soft-kill, incremental, ambient, genetic Armageddon takeover system where it just slowly is ramped up. If you look, please, for you and your family's sake, for the future of this planet and the life forms that developed here over untold eons. Again, more total garbage, except, you know, Alex calls himself a whatever, born-again Christian, and, you know, totally buys into and promotes evolution, you know. So I, I just want to give that caveat, that warning regarding that.
there is a total revolution by the, quote, scientific class in their lust for power, in their lust for extended life, in their lust for super weapons to dominate the globe. They have already opened up a thousand times a thousand Pandora's boxes. And if you just look at the admitted studies in guinea pigs, rats, mice, dogs, uh, monkeys, where the life cycles are in weeks, months, or years, instead of human life cycles being in around 76 years, in every major study within three generations with every major GMO crop, where they've had cross-species splicing and uh, genetic chimera cross-clone manipulation, in every case within three generations, the genitals shrivel up to nothing. Fertility goes down to almost zero. Those that ate the genetically engineered soy, they didn't actually show the problems in the first generation. The second generation was slower growth, slower onset for maturity, but by the third generation, that's when nearly all of the adults had lost the ability to have babies. There are more horror movie type mutations. Okay, so that's an important point they bring up. With this genetically modified garbage that they're putting into the food supply, all of the horrific effects just don't show up first generation of the people eating it. Yes, there's going to be a higher incidence of cancer and heart disease and all these horrific things going on, but in their offspring, that's when you're really going to start seeing these things manifest. And by the third generation, that third generation is almost universally totally sterilized. Now, if they can make sure that this is getting in and corrupting all the food sources, uh, by the third generation, there's basically no uh, no form of procreation taking place, unless you are able to somehow miraculously avoid these foods. Now, that's very important to their agenda, because again, the Ten Commandments of the New World Order, if you look at the Georgia Guidestones, first commandment being, reduce world population to 500 million, you know, we're, I think we just went over 7 billion. So you're looking at a, you know, 90 to 95% reduction there in population. And in order to accomplish that, you're going to have to get pretty aggressive. And the genetically modified foods are just one way they're trying to um, sterilize the masses. And more importantly, their, their, uh, their offspring, their children. That's who they're really after, and again, um, it's just one of the one of the many ways that they're trying to essentially destroy humanity. Uh, where most of the young are born dead or deformed, or the young are born small, mentally retarded, with hair growing out of their mouths, eyeballs on the back of their head, and within three generations, it does get like a John Carpenter movie, the thing. This is not by accident. They stack these traits, and, and, and genetic engineers that we've interviewed who work for these companies have said, hey, this potato is sterilizing the rats. They're like, don't worry about that trait. Just move ahead. So there are Trojan horse traits that have been added to all of these. This is 21st century warfare. And, of course, that's just the tip of the iceberg when we talk about chimeras and cross-species clones and the island of Dr. Maru type things that are happening that H.G. Wells predicted over 100 years ago would come to fruition. The real revolution, and why the globalists are so arrogant, 
is they've created new classes of vaccines. They call them vaccines. That's a diversion. They're really genetically engineered nanotech. uh, And they advertise it. Soon, we've already developed it, but soon we're going to get approval, they say, of a vaccine where you'll never be angry. You'll never be sad. Or you'll never want to drink alcohol or use cocaine because the virus actually goes in and changes. And he's actually showing news reports like this one, CNN Health. Study, cocaine vaccine could help addicts. What? A cocaine vaccine? An alcoholism vaccine? A depression vaccine? This is the insanity level that we're moving toward. I mean, it's just incomprehensible. Your brain chemistry. Listen to me. The facts are in. Please, for your own sake and the sake of our species, let's not let these control freak psychopaths mutilate and vandalize and irrevocably damage the biosphere and the ancient genetic system of this planet so they can be on a power trip and play God. Look at the fruits of the New World Order. Most cancers have more than tripled in the last two decades. Diabetes has doubled in the last decade. All sorts of new cancers that never existed before are now appearing. Scores of vaccines have been found to be implanted with sterilants, cancer viruses, microplasms, uh, nanotech microplasms that are purely artificial. The United States has the highest rates of every major cancer in the world, including breast cancer. And the system always talks about giving more money when you buy food or go to a movie to try to create cures for breast cancer. Instead of finding out why it's all skyrocketing, why pancreatic cancer is skyrocketing, and why the system is trying to block vitamins and minerals from the public. Again... The globalist might as well be a space alien from 15 trillion miles away who crashed in Antarctica and got dug up and wants to wreck this planet and totally genetically absorb it. Like John Carpenter's The Thing. Might as well be. The globalist covered up the fact that Fukushima was many times Chernobyl and that the radiation levels were rising all across the United States. And so the EPA's response was just to raise the level of isotopes, in some cases 100,000 times what they said was previously safe. This is the type of self-destructive, truly demonic, is the only word to describe it, behavior that we see coming out of the ruling class. And it's time for people infected by cynicism uh, and by a hatred of life to really ask yourself, Is this what you want to be part of? The things that the globalists create are malformed abominations. The entire biosphere is being absorbed. It may already be irreversible. The life cycle of these rats and mice and guinea pigs is just a few years. And within three generations, near total infertility and adult mental retardation, total deformities, stillbirths, just just a wreck species. We are eating the same stuff, but on average, we have offspring every 20 years. And already look at the mental retardation, all the new uh, problems, 
all the new cancers, the diseases, and we are just one generation into this. The mercury alone in the vaccines, major study shows, is causing massive, irrevocable DNA damage that we're already seeing in this generation of your 25 years or so. The numbers are off the chart. But it's damaging the eggs of the girls that are being born now. And they've got cadaver studies on young children that have died, young girls, and they've looked at their eggs. They're nearly infertile. If an alien from a foreign planet wanted to come in and infiltrate and destroy humanity, it couldn't do a better job than the globalists have done. And again, that's all by design. That is Satan's plan. Kill, steal, destroy. That's what the Bible says. So again, this whole Nephilim, as, as it was in the days of Noah, socially being the days of the coming of the Son of Man, that whole agenda, it's being played out right before our eyes, totally confirming what the Bible predicts. This is stuff that we should be expecting. And uh, even though he's not coming at it from a the standpoint of literally Genesis 6, He's making a lot of good points regarding this particular subject that do apply to the day and times we're living in. All right, you've been warned. Okay, so that is the that pretty much wraps that up. Uh, we covered all of the things in that particular video. Now, what I did at the end of this, at the end of the teaching, it's only going to be a 12-page PDF for today. I list two teachings I've done on this subject. Uh, one is entitled Transhumanism, Vaccinations, DNA, and Corrupting the Seed of Mankind, where we're actually approaching that subject that Alex Jones just talked about, but from a biblical end time scenario. And then the next the other study I did is called Cloning, DNA, Manipulation, and Corrupting the Seed. And let me let me just read this the an excerpt from that particular intro. God made a way for man to be saved through his sin, from his sin through, through grace by faith in his Son, Jesus Christ. But he did not make a way for the angels that rebelled or their hybrid offspring, the Nephilim, to be saved. The interpretation of Genesis 6-4, that the Nephilim are half human, half fallen angel, makes this very simple to understand. Therefore, a mixture of the two kinds would be a corruption and the, result, and the resulting fallen race. It is interesting that Genesis tells us that all flesh was corrupted in the days of Noah. And it says that over and over again. What does that mean? We know that God destroyed all the animals as well as all the people except those on the ark with Noah and his family. Uh, we will explore this topic further in the study. So by creating these hybrids, whether they are human, animal, plant, animal, they are creating a corrupt and defiled race. It does not matter what percentage of human versus cow DNA there is. Do cows go to heaven? Okay, so again, it's just looking at it like once this D, your, your DNA is corrupted, once you make a creature and it's got 20% cow DNA or let's say 80% human... <laughs> It doesn't matter what percentage of the human versus the cow DNA there is. Do cows go to heaven? It's just bringing up that as, a, as an example. Frankly, man is messing with things he has no right to manipulate. He is trying, in effect, trying to play God, which goes right back to the original sin in the Garden of Eden. So that's all I have for today. Uh, we'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us, Lord. 
um, our ability to come together once again, Lord, to understand the devices of Satan, Lord God, to reprove them, to have no fellowship with them, Lord God, that we are not destroyed for lack of knowledge. I do pray, God, that uh, the body of Christ would be awakened and would be made aware of these things, um, and Lord God, that you would use the body of Christ, the uns- the uh, saved, to help those around them, Lord God, to actually use this information to lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would, um, that they would be salt and light, Lord God, to a dying world, that you would forgive us for any and all sins we have committed, Lord, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We thank you, Lord God, for all your goodness, all your mercy, for most of all for what Jesus did on the cross to save our souls, Lord God. We praise you, we honor you, we worship you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.